0: The of e-commerce can be tricky, and that's why you need the experts to help take you to the next level. This is Delivering E-Commerce. Delivering E-Commerce. You'll hear from leaders and industry experts from around the globe, letting you in on their stories and journeys. Your host has 25 years in the retail industry and has been leading the strategy and development of e-commerce sites for 17 years, working with Walmart, Newegg, Big Al's, Rins Pets, and Home Hardware. We think he may be qualified. This is Delivering E-Commerce. And this is Chris Parsons. Hey,
1: everyone, and welcome to the, our second episode of Delivering E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chris Parsons, and I'm so excited and honored to be here with my guest today, Matt LeBeau. Hey, welcome, Matt. Thanks for taking a Saturday morning to uh, chat with me. And I know I'd love to be sitting with you out of Tim Hortons right now having a coffee, but um, unfortunately with COVID, uh, we have to have the uh, three meter rule in place. So um, here we are. And I would love to open up and give you the opportunity to talk about what you're doing, um, everything from cradle to grave with you. So I'll turn the floor over to you now.
2: All right. Well, thanks, Chris. Really appreciate uh, being here. And yeah, it would have been Super cool to be able to hang and do this kind of uh, more informally uh, in person, as uh, you said. But yeah, this is the state of the nation and uh, we're getting through it. So it's changed my business <laughs> fundamentally.
1: Was- yeah, tell, tell me about that. I mean, COVID for obviously for everyone that's paying attention to the news with uh, the home industry, it's exploded. But with with your industry, I wouldn't have expected it to be the same. So talk talk, talk to my audience about that.
2: Yeah, the the health and wellness space. So we we do supplements, we do uh, natural body care, we do organic foods, gluten free foods. So you know, re- really the specialty wellness uh, product space. And uh, with restaurants being closed, and I think a large portion of people's uh, expendable income for food and and uh, consumables uh, being consumed at that level, uh, that's all closed. So retail is seeing epic times as a result of all this and, uh, whether it be grocery stores, drug stores, uh, independent health food stores, uh, and of course e-commerce is, uh, off the charts. So that's that we we've, uh, we've been struggling to keep up this, <laughs> COVID's been a bit of a race, to be honest with you. you know, where's the supply chain at? When's the next production run? All of uh, those things is is the order of the day. Uh, we're not focusing too hard on having to drive the sales number. It's it's making sure we can meet demand.
1: Yeah, from a logistical perspective. Let's dive into the the, the benefits of your n- nutritional products. Um You know, everyone's battling with mental health issues, Um, changing to a more healthy lifestyle, obviously a big benefit. It will just be an inspiration for folks. So talk about some of those benefits.
2: Yeah, initially through COVID, it started with the immunity-based products. So I think everybody was jumping on to got to get my immune system boosted up and... fight a good defense game strategy. Uh, and then it has definitely moved into uh, mental health and, and adaptogens. Uh, so products that are helping stress, uh, helping your state of mind. And, and so there's lots of herbs and vitamins and right. all of these things that focus on a variety of categories. Those are definitely, uh, as we stand here in uh, mid-April, those are the ones that are in the highest demand. I think we're seeing some decline in certain areas like sports proteins. People right. can't gyms so they're not you know as strict on the regimes around working out and, and just for lack of options um we're seeing a, a second and third wave of pantry stuffing chris so you know yep. we asked uh, we sell some gluten-free breads we're seeing a spike again not not quite like the spike of march and april of 2020 but uh, certainly uh, seeing upward numbers again as as people are locked down across canada
1: Sure, exactly. so not as bad as when you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what I want to get from from you is the story about, did you see yourself as a student taking on this career? Where did you see yourself?
2: You know, I'm a high school dropout. Um, I came come from an entrepreneurial family. So my grandfather and my uncles uh, all owned uh, and, and worked in masonry, construction, brick. So I spent uh, lots of time in my youth slugging it out, and uh, obviously didn't love that part of it. But learned learned a work ethic. But secondary to that, what I didn't realize I was absorbing is the entrepreneurial spirit and and the kind of the behind the scenes of what goes on
1: in a small family business. Right, uh, and, the, and that work ethic,
2: and the, yeah, and the work ethic to be able to do that because it's uh, it's definitely not nine to five. As uh,
1: yeah, I mean, good for you. I, I know a lot of people. Um, kind of snubbed or noses to anyone that uh, drops out of school or, you know, it's uh, you, you, I know for sure believe in education and how important it is, but uh, it just wasn't the right path for you. Um, You know, my story where I've had grown up with a learning disability. um, I I went to school, but I never had great grades, uh, nothing to be proud of. That's for sure. But um, ultimately those things make you work harder and appreciate things. So these long hours that you and I put in is, is what we have to do.
2: Yeah, definitely had to work harder in the early st- still am, but still had to work harder in the early stages compared to our peers uh, to try to compete. I think we had a small advantage. They were off at university for four years, and right. I was in the trenches making yeah. sacks and, and and I had to switched to the grocery channel by then. I got out of masonry and joined Loblaws companies and spent 10 years there, and that was a wonderful place to uh, cut my teeth um, and, and uh, learned a lot of lessons about retailing, which has really Shaped and guided my whole uh, career, which was unexpected. It's just one of those things that uh, got into it, uh, enjoyed it. I love people. I think that's uh, what kept kept me in. And retail is, you know, you just come across oodles and oodles of people. I've moved to the supply chain side now, but it, I still feel like I live at an intersection. You know, there's constantly, uh, you know, new people coming in
1: and out. And so maybe you can take us through how you uh, acquire clients and. Um, what you look for when you're looking for a new product line and and how do you bring, um, how do you go to market? What's your go to market strategy with those clients?
2: So um, we are a sales agency. So in essence, uh, what we do in a day to day is people would outsource their sales needs to us. Mm-hmm. Instead of hiring their own national sales team, we come with people. I, I in essence, am a bolt on VP sales and then I come with my own team that is in all the major markets. So we've got about 25 different salespeople across Canada, and the, and they work out of their home offices, uh, and then there's a group of admin people that back them up at our home office in uh, southern Ontario. Um, looking for new clients, honestly, there's, it's, it's kind of a specialized piece of business that we do in the natural organic space, so we're not doing really any uh, advertising it's word of mouth and people ask retailers. Retailers are our biggest advocate when they go out to the market and they say, Hey, who's a sales agency that does a good job and, 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 you know, gets the job done. We, we, that's our number one way of referral is through retail for sure. Uh,
1: so how would, uh, how would folks go ahead and get it, get in touch with you? Um, you might as well, we'll, we'll touch on it a couple of times because I want to make sure that people, uh, have the pleasure of at least reaching out with you, connecting, uh, what is the best way?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm available on pretty much every platform. So Twitter, at Natural Matt, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Matt LeBeau, uh, Instagram, Matt Lebeau, uh my website, lebeauexcel.com. There's a, a list of emails there. Uh, certainly, those are probably the easiest ways. Uh, and then I'm sure on any of those platforms, you'd be able to grab my my
1: number. I'm not uh, shy about putting my number out there. So Perfect. Thanks for that. And I'm sure if people Google great hair, they'll see a photo of you. Because um, <laughs> I, I have uh, hair envy whenever I see you, that's for sure. I mean, I know you gave me some tips on some nutrition that can help me with that, but it hasn't been doing the job so far. Well, Too much stress in my life.
2: I hear you. I, I'm also using some natural gels and shampoos. So the prevention factor is, uh, is part right. of it. And I should have
1: done that 20 years ago. <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs>
1: Okay, I want to get to <clears throat> some tips and tricks, some best practices. Sure. What you're dealing with? I know you mentioned the struggles of COVID and the logistics side, um, and you mentioned how e-commerce was really um, exploded for you. Um, let's let's talk about the e-commerce side of it first. What are you experiencing?
2: Yeah, so our category especially vitamins herbals proteins was i'd say one of the first ones to really embrace and uh, adopt e-commerce so you know going back into even the t- early 2000s you had retailers like popeye supplements that had a huge online program and i think it had to do with the clientele that you know it's the 15 to 25 year old male clientele typically is who was buying a lot of these sports nutrition products uh, at the time uh, it's definitely uh moved on to other categories anything that's kind of uh shippable uh you know not refrigerated not frozen Mm -hmm. and easy to ship our categories have moved on mass and and a lot of retailers took advantage of that and created their own website and profiles and then uh, a lot of them have actually just taken on amazon themselves uh out of my clients, we do Amazon on behalf of our clients as a sales agency. So we have a, a team specifically dedicated to Amazon and the the analytics behind it and, and all of that stuff. But um, a lot of a lot of um, retailers have jumped on. So your corner health food store could be posting you know products to Amazon. A lot of guys have gotten really savvy about those place right. websites. So. Uh, it's and as far as marketing goes, uh, you know, my sales reps, you know, we used to sell ad space or buy ad space in these flyers that came to your door and still come to your door. We still have to the suppliers all pay for those. But in this day and age, a lot more dollars are diverted to e-commerce in the sense of Instagram takeovers or Facebook posts or um e-blasts, what, whatever, uh, but uh, it's a huge part of what we do now. And my team has had to pivot in a big way to, you know, gain education around this. And, and and we've gone out and hired third-party experts to, you know, do education programs on how to make salespeople who are in the field and experts on nutrition also become experts on how to help their stores utilize e-commerce and, and mm-hmm. spending our co-op dollars or, or trade marketing dollars uh, on, on those things instead. So. It's, it's never going back, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: no, I, we, we see probably <clears throat> it, the rule of thumb was e-commerce represented about 10% of your total business. And uh, I think in most retailers are well over the 20% the last year and a half. And um, it's definitely gained new audience. Are you seeing, uh, you mentioned that it was the 20-somethings that were really buying uh, nutritional products early on for workouts and nutrition what's the uh, what's the spread now is it all ages that are uh, buying supplements
2: definitely all ages we have to, I, I, you know the older crowd call it the 60 pluses uh you, it's different platforms you you have to reach them on right. so uh, you know twitter uh is is good for kind of instant messaging instagram is a younger crowd facebook's an older crowd uh tiktok is probably all crowds but yeah and youtube kind of go back and forth because it's that video platform tiktok might be the younger ones and and, and youtube would be the older but um yeah we're seeing it all but they definitely uh, bricks and mortar isn't going away i think it's no. been, you know uh, a marriage so you've it's just another uh, the omni channel right you you just have to sell your products wherever people want them and they may want them from a store one week and they may want them delivered to their house the next week. I think it switches based on what's happening in people's lives or are they at the cottage or at home or whatever. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. What you said there is that omni-channel experience. I've been using a term and I'm not sure if I've made it up or not, but uh, I'm going to take credit for it. It's that blended shopping experience. Now the blended shopper is so important. They're going to shop online or research online. They're going to still make that trip to the store. Um, depending on how their week's going is how they're going to shop. It's not one channel versus another anymore. They're, they're leveraging all of them. So, uh, it's exciting. You're going to have to make sure that you're available in, in all of them for, to, to serve a customer. Now, um, I want to touch back on Amazon. Uh, The reason I bring them up is you mentioned that you guys do get your clients up on Amazon. There's a lot of fear in the industry, whether it's valid or not, that Amazon's going to study the success of products and then go and knock them off. Do you guys have that same fear in your industry?
2: Um, I I don't think so. I think at the end of the day, uh, here in Canada, the regulatory regime for natural health products is pretty significant. And I just can't envision Amazon trying to go through that gauntlet for a population the size of of Canada personally. Mm. Uh, And I think that it's all about branding. So uh, branding is such a critical exercise these days and that's, that's different than e-commerce. That's the whole connecting with your consumer and understanding their needs. And uh, the strong brand is always going to float to the top. And, and Great point. I think brands rush to market these days. They want to be in Loblaws. They want to be in Shoppers Drug Mart. But uh, I, I think they should really focus on their core branding, know who their consumer is uh, before they jump into those platforms. And the independent channel and, and e-commerce um, allows you that con- connection. So it's it's critical. And, and and I don't think yeah amazon's gonna be able to take that away from people,
1: yeah, I always say you can't bury your hand uh, your head with uh with Amazon in the sand because ultimately they're the number one uh portal for searching products now, so sure. they've passed they've passed Google yeah. many years ago, so you really do need to find a good balance of of making sure that you're there and um I don't think you can worry about them knocking off products anymore uh, that's a that's a big concern for a number of folks, but I always say, if the audience is there, you're going to spend a fortune trying to acquire them elsewhere. You might as well go and play with the big boys. Um, let's let's talk about some other pieces of of your career as you've evolved. Who who from your network or your past has played a, a major role in in you, maybe coaching or mentoring or just giving you tips along the way?
2: Yeah, I, I, I can. Could- in kind of phases and the early phases of my career it was it was my grandfather who was an entrepreneur himself and uh, he used to have dinner with you know mps and mpps and mayors and aldermen and all these uh, be, because in construction that that was how you got things done and i learned that uh, engaging in the political realm is actually a pretty important piece if if you uh want to move your business forward depending on what your business is i guess uh uh, being involved, I'm involved in a lot of boards on my industry and advocate on behalf of the industry. and And you have to teach politicians what it is you want and make demands. And that's just the way the system works. And uh, we need, I, th- I would say, we need more people to realize that that you can't just expect politicians to know what's up. You gotta, you gotta teach them and meet your local uh, politicians. For one, that's one mm-hmm. lesson I learned from him. Um, and then uh, when I moved into uh, Post retail supply chain side, I had a a couple of a gentleman, uh, Jim Estel, who uh, owned a company called EMJ Data Systems. He then sold that to Synex Canada, and he has since bought Danby uh, Canada, which is the large refrigerator uh, and appliance manufacturer. And he's local, but uh, I, I got to spend a lot of time in boardrooms with him and some of his uh, consultants. So I, I it was like a sponge. It was my Mid to late 20s, and it was an amazing uh, opportunity for somebody uh, like me who hadn't, you know, dropped out of school to uh, be around all these uh, masters of business, you know, and uh, accountants, and uh, in in a, in a you know planning sessions and and uh, right. problems. It was a really great opportunity. And then now I'm always seeking out education and learning. So I'm a member of McKay CEO Forums. Uh, that's uh, once a month, uh, about a dozen CEOs meet and we kind of bring a problem to the table and everybody you know, spitballs it and, and says, hey, here's my experience in a similar kind of situation. That's been a good one for me. And, uh, and then sitting on boards, they're volunteer boards. So I've sat mm-hmm. in a council of Ontario and I am currently on the plant-based foods of Canada board. And I get exposed to you know high level people that also have su- had some success and want to give back. And uh, you, get, you gain friendships and you gain, you know, that ability to call people and just, hey, you know, and, and just see what they're doing. So we're in an industry where a lot of skyrocketing brands are emerging. So I uh, love good fats and the keto trend. And so I see a lot of kind of zero to 60 million or 100 million in two to three years. So some, some really interesting case studies. Um, I was involved in, in uh, a middle role. Uh, at vega so vega was a sports nutrition vegan protein line so it kind of changed the protein business in a big way because they moved from plant-based proteins to vegan protein and they went from zero to 200 million in probably 10 years and then ended up selling uh to uh, ultimately Denon on for like half a million u.s oh. or 500 million u.s uh which is you know obviously uh generational wealth kind of dollars so right yeah. uh, and yeah, I've been lucky and smart enough to know when to sit down, shut up, and listen. I think.
1: Yeah, I was just about to bring that point up. I know we've been to a number of gatherings together, and one of the one of the things that I notice um, that's similar between us is we're not always the, the the loudest person in the room. We're kind of sitting there observing and taking things in, and then your comments are always point uh, on point. Uh, and that's what I appreciate about you. Instead of being that flamboyant person in the room, just that wants all the attention, you're really listening to the audience and, and monitoring and getting the pulse of things. And then, then you'll come out with some very, uh, some very good insights um, in conversation. So I appreciate that about you because, you know, there's, there's times where, yeah, well, I love to talk myself. So if both of us were in a room to chat together, um, it would be a, a war on words there. So <laughs> the, the piece that comes next is you can do all of those things. You can join all these different boards. But what motivates you? What brings it all to life for you?
2: Um, I I think the, you know, sadly, it's probably the fear of failure, right? (laughs) You know, when you, when I boiled, when you boil it down, you you, you got, I've got three kids, I got bills, uh, university and college. Now my kids are kind of moving into that space. Uh, you know, what are they, how are they going to afford houses when this market is so hot and right. When you and I first bought our house, it's gonna to be tough, so they're gonna need their parents' help and uh, the families that are involved in our business, so all of our employees and their dependents and it's uh, you know it's not something that I would say I'm not one to stay up at night like I'm a good sleeper, thank goodness, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know when you get up, it's there and uh, right it's, it's, uh, it's motivating. And yeah, my wife works in the business with us now. So that's, so you know, sometimes the whole, when do we turn it off and turn it on? And, you know, when you're trying to have social time and then suddenly work creeps into, you know, date night or, uh, yeah, but it, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's work, man. And, and, but it's, it's something I love. And, uh, so yeah, I, I'd say fear of failure might be it, but and then, then the enjoyment of success, uh, and that doesn't mean monetary success. It's helping other entrepreneurs, because that's in essence what we do. as a sales agency, I have a whole bunch of entrepreneurs that we are working with. and so we get to help them move the needle and reach their goals and um, you know be part of the planning of the goals. that that stuff jazzes me up. I love I love gr- helping grow companies. That's, uh,
1: that's yeah, great. I think that's the important piece that a lot of people miss is that in order to actually have success yourself, if you, the more you help others, the more you learn from um, that guidance, those conversations, and you end up making yourself even more successful by, by doing more for others. Um, And I know some people don't feel that way. They just, they just, they're a bunch of takers. And um, I I always find once you, once you put stuff out there, and I know I don't believe necessarily in karma, but once you put stuff out there, it generally, it it empowers you more. Um, So I don't know if you feel the same, but I, I, I do believe that.
2: I hundred percent we represent twenty five different suppliers and and I try to keep it compact. Some of my competitors have hundreds of suppliers, and I don't know how they can really help everybody just there's too many people
1: mm-hmm. but
2: uh, one of the things I do is i I always commit to giving entrepreneurs in my space, you know, 20 minutes to half an hour chat and just pick my brain and whether it's a, Hey, what's the distribution strategy or who are the key plea people at retail that they need to talk to? I, I really do believe in that, put it out there. Good things happen. And, uh, and you gain more friends and, and, you know, ultimately you never know where life's going to go. That's the fun part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the questions at your level, how do you manage your time? Do you have, you know, what a gentleman I know in the industry manages his, his hours and breaks it out into 15 minute uh, increments. Um, is there a formula that you have?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely. Uh, so when I worked with Jim Estel, he is very much um, uh, a planner and, and and divides his day, I think it might be half an hour increments, but uh, and I did try that for a good long while, but it's it's and you know, I know that you have to dedicate time to get work done, and I do that. But I'm a little bit more free flowing. Uh, you know, I I come in, and emails is the order of the morning. Uh, then it's follow up phone calls if anything I haven't com- completed for the next day. Uh, it's and then KPI, you know, check ins. So what where are we at a on the week, on the month? You know, we're a sales organization, so we live and die by the by the you know where the sales are at. So keeping our eye on the ball on that regard. Uh, and then, you know, based on what I learned there, I'll engage in some, you know, discussions, maybe some corrective uh, uh, changes of strategy, uh, that that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, I, uh, with us in this space and how popular this space is, I pretty much have a brand a day or a, a, a discussion a day with somebody I don't mm. know. Uh, and, and so that takes up some time and yeah you, you know <laughs> how quickly 8 to 10 to 12 hours will slip by and uh, but yeah those are the you know keeping your eye on the numbers i think is is for me and then yeah. being on top of what's going on in people your your staff's lives you know keeping a check in with You know, obviously with COVID, kids are home. Uh, How are people impacted by that? What's their, you know, how are they managing childcare? Are they even able to, or are they just trying to work with the kids in the background? Which we have lots of that going on at the moment. Uh, And just, you know, we don't, uh, we don't manage hours. We manage, hey, here's a project we need to, we need the deadline. And in fact, I would say we're questioning, uh, you know, how much time people need to spend in the office. We definitely have already peeled it back to a maximum of three days a week. Uh, You know, that period of COVID where people were coming back to work. And I don't think we'll ever go back to five days a week. Um, and, And really, it's all about, it might drop to two days a week. And the only reason I would insist upon that to some degree is collaboration in person. Uh, you know those there's nothing like getting into a room and just uh, you know brainstorming and tossing ideas back and forth Uh, that it doesn't isn't quite the same on on uh, video platforms
1: yeah I agree I mean for what the last 10 years there's been the big debate about work from home and how successful it is but it's amazing when you go through an experience like this you see how people can adapt and change and um, parent at the same time there's so many times where I'm on a a teams meeting, and you'll see kids in the background, and you just give them a wave and give them a, a few seconds of attention that they're they're looking for, and then they move on. And yeah. it's it's a great way to actually create that rapport with families as well. So it's not just um, business, and uh, I think I think it's actually it's teaching us a lot. And uh, that blend later on will be great of the work from home and uh, an office. And I agree when when you say that brainstorming, I always call it my whiteboard sessions. I really don't feel that they're the same through a a virtual environment versus when we get together and you grab stickies and you just you you generate ideas. Um, So I actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you was actually how do you go about generating ideas and keeping your marketing fresh and um, getting your, your brands noticed?
2: um so uh, if you we basically uh outsource a you know we're an outsource outsource a lot of things uh right through a refresh on our website logo and all of that and we used uh shout out to uh, Jan Kelly. Uh, Marketing in Burlington, Ontario. They they did an amazing job, and we sat with them. Uh, unfortunately, it was on Zoom, but uh, as far as planning or, or brainstorming goes, and we got to the heart of who we were on a day to day and what our values mm-hmm. were, and then that kind of steered, you know, some of the color choices and uh, our, our wording on our website, and even our we changed our you know kind of tagline as a result. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: yeah find an expert that's that's definitely my go-to strategy if i don't have the relationships at a retailer i'm gonna hire somebody that has those relationships and find an expert there and um, walmart retail link right that's a whole new level yeah. of that itself that kind of thing um as far as our brands go you know we, we've learned all these lessons uh and and we definitely uh change and pivot. So we use a CRM program called Salesforce, which I'm sure you're familiar yep. with, uh, we happen to have, uh, based on a previous business that I was in a bunch of Oracle experts on staff. So we have some super users and we've been able to manipulate and, and pivot within Salesforce, uh, knowing that how the background of that program works and make it work for us even better. Um, yeah, that's, that's probably uh, the, the general rule of how we change or how we um, stay on top of things. As far as our brands go, it has to do a lot to, with the founder and the messaging. We've got to get to know that. We've got to spend time with them and, and absorb who they are, what they are, what are their values, and then help amplify that in the market, whether it's, you know, all of our sales reps getting super passionate about what it is they're selling, which is part of our industry. So that's spending time learning about them and who they are so that we can become part of their family and then amplifying whatever they're doing. You know, we've got a fairly strong social media program on, especially LinkedIn because it's more beating, but, you know, even, uh, you know, Insta and Face and and those things, uh, TikTok, we're, we're sharing, all of their content and then critiquing it and giving them some, man. You know, hey, we've seen little things like this that work, and you might want to try this. And
1: yeah, you're really touching on a lot of channels there, and making sure that uh, you're not just focused on one, which is great because all of those channels explode at different times. So uh, yeah. it's interesting. The TikTok um, I watch. Well, we both have boys, who are the same age, and uh, the the energy that they're spending on TikTok right now is. Is amazing. I don't know what, how long they'll stay on that platform. Um, guys like you and I screw up on Facebook and probably still have profiles there today. But uh, these, these kids with TikTok, I don't know where it's going to go because I see some crazy things that the, the, young, the young folks are doing. The dances that they come up with are just, uh, are, well, let's say they're unique. The other question I had for you, Matt, was from, from an e commerce perspective in your business, where do you see it going over the next three to five years?
2: Uh, I I think it's going to increase ultimately uh, in the sense that retailers are integrating e-commerce into their data. Loblaws has their pick and pack and you can drive up to the store and they throw your groceries in the back end. And Mm -hmm. um, Those markets has a grocery gateway. And of course, that's just been bought by Sobeys in the last 30 days from when we're talking. Uh, And then Sobeys has launched their Sobeys Voila platform. So the critical piece for us is making sure our products are not only in store, but also listed on their e-commerce platforms. Um, And then uh, the loyalty program. So whether it's uh, Aeroplan or uh, PC Points, this all layers to an e-commerce style of marketing that we are doing. And they have their apps and people are basically walking around grocery stores, looking at their phones to see what extra deals they're going to get on their apps. And so it engages on how we have to go uh, from that perspective and I think more manufacturers are going to sell direct to consumer mm-hmm. and via retail uh, because the Amazons and of course Walmart's now changed their website into a marketplace website so you can post things there and uh, there's more coming down the pipe as we understand it. I think that's going to be a, a big part of, uh, of e-commerce is the, the manufacturers, especially small to medium-sized enterprises, uh, selling direct to consumers uh, and that's not going to slow down. And in fact, I think it empowers the small to medium-sized manufacturers on two fronts: a, they know their consumers, but b, they're getting a little bit more margin than they would uh, through the, you know, going through a retailer. And that's allowing them more dollars to invest in their business, and hopefully, ultimately, make them successful. I I don't see that pathway changing. And and, and I, the more uh, I see. These new brands launching, these young 20-something entrepreneurs, a lot mm. of them launching exclusively on e-commerce uh, right. to begin with and moving to retail after. And that, I think that's you're going to see way more of that.
1: You, you touch on the manufacturing now that they have the flexibility on being on marketplaces, whether it's Amazon Marketplace, um, Walmart, or even Loblaws has one now. And I think uh, Hudson Bay just yeah. launched their own as, as well. So everyone's getting into that space. Um, but that means a manufacturer has to become a dropshipper as well and um or outsource to a third-party logistics center to handle it for them uh, how how many of them in your conversations kind of feel that they want to get down that road of being a um, in the logistics game as as well as manufacturing
2: most of the ones i talk to unless it's restricted by either frozen or refrigeration mm-hmm. aim to do it uh, yeah and they they are pivoting their warehouses to create some space for pick and pack single unit rather than case or pallet only shipments, uh, and and that's uh, definitely the way it's going. Uh, frozen and fresh obviously create their own issues, but you're seeing a lot more of these small regional e-commerce delivery companies. Um, Good food is one of them that we have to we deal with, and so they they are only online and they specialize in creating kind of meal kits and. Uh, that, that's, uh, an interesting platform to watch. I don't know where that's going long-term. I might the mm-hmm. out for me on that one, but the insight that you get is, is so valuable. I, I don't see how anybody could
1: not take it as, as their first step. Go yeah. On. And speaking of insight, Matt, you mentioned, um, Walmart and retail link. Uh, have you, have you and your team been diving into that powerful tool? Like, um, I, I, one of my first roles was with Walmart as an analyst yeah. and, um, I got, I dived into that tool to find out an opportunity with a couple of our products. So I I probably overtell this story, but it was about basket analysis and um, really looking at uh, a product that we were struggling to sell a lot of and didn't matter if we would um, put it on sale or not, which was toothpaste. And uh, you would look at the ebbs and flows of toothpaste. And then all of a sudden you would see this spike and you were like, what brought that spike on? Um, when it wasn't on sale and what I ended up finding out through basket analysis was whenever we were advertising tuna on the front page of a flyer, we would get a spike in oral care, specifically toothpaste. And it was, it was a subconscious decision from shoppers that anytime that they had, um, product that was bad for their breath, that they would naturally go and say, okay, I'm going to be eating tuna this week. I have to go over and buy oral care products to, to combat that. So ultimately what happened is you you now look at these categories that weren't necessarily thought of connecting and you're able to go to market different. Like I could now all of a sudden market tuna multiple times a year, knowing that I would get this category lift in oral care. And I had to now advertise toothpaste less because I would get the lift I wanted to from another product. Are you are you seeing anything like that?
2: yeah yeah we we definitely uh, are are watching and, and analyzing retail link and and a lot more retailers sh- are sharing data retail mm-hmm. is still the gold standard around what we can access and and not be charged for it a lot of the other guys are trying to use it as a better right. unfortunately and I think if you give the suppliers the data they will make the right decisions and the right connections I think that's a, a critical piece to that uh, but yeah it, uh, Metro partnered with a company called Dunhumby, which is an mm-hmm. American analytics firm and we were selling a brand of uh, kettle popcorn at the time and we learned that uh, Gillette razors for some reason spiked whenever our popcorn was on special (laughs) honestly I I, we never could come up with why the heck that happened but it definitely changed our strategy and look we looked at when uh, Gillette razors were on special and we co-co kind of followed their promotion
1: co-branded and that's great
2: So uh, it's uh, definitely, there's some gems in there that uh, you you can't beat by looking at uh, data like that.
1: Yeah, 100%. I only have a couple more questions left for you. The one I was, we haven't touched on, and I thought for sure we'd be brought up by now because of the categories that you're in, is the power of influencers. Uh, Are are your brands leveraging influencers?
2: Absolutely. Um, I would say every brand kind of has their own strategy and they're trying, it's getting to the point where they're, uh looking for in, influencers that represent their core customer so brands are getting right. learning who their core customer is and then looking for influencers that represent that but uh one of my supplement brands has a cup uh 200 different influencers and micro influencers. So they're like in the two to 10,000 followers range and they're, you know, focused on the different regions, the BC and Alberta and even in BC interior versus lower mainland. Or, uh, so it's, it's, it's a big strategy on health and wellness. Obviously there's a lot of, uh, holistic nutritionists online that are, you know, working on, on advice and plans. Mm-hmm helping people get healthy. And, uh, they, they are using our products on during their own day to day. And now they're just blogging about it and vlogging. And, and that's, that's a huge opportunity. So it's, uh, it's part of our, it's the biggest part of our marketing strategy going forward is spending a lot of time on, uh, you know, influencers and getting the right ones. So, it's you're right. Yeah. I'm surprised it hadn't come up yet, but, uh. no, it's,
1: it's, it's funny because I, we, we do talk about it a lot here and, um, influencers and, you know, some of it is, is really forced. And I think, uh, an audience can really, uh, you know, sniff that out, that it's a forced influence. And, um, it really, I find that the, the market is really looking for people to be authentic yeah. and if you're going to use it, give a, give a real rating, whether you like it or not, like, be honest about that conversation. And, and, and that's, that's going to be better for your overall brand versus just a sponsored influencer that is going to just give this, this phony presentation and you see it's so forced through because no matter how good of an actor you are, you can see when it's forced.
2: Um, Yeah. There's certainly that problem out there. I I think that a lot of ours, even though it might be, you know, paid, it's not, it's not a huge payment, but they are, Passionate. They're, this is where they've been educated. They got into this field for reasons of their own health and wellness, probably. So a lot of it is authentic. It's just this brand versus that brand, and um, some of the nuances. But uh, we we've been pretty lucky with our influencers that they're intimate right. and and really do want to use these products on a day to day. Often they'll accept just product uh, because they just want to have product at their house that they that instead of having to buy it. So
1: yeah it's nice because if they believe in it they're actually consuming it then it is a payment right because they're they're saving those dollars from buying it um just last couple of uh questions here the opportunity to uh, talk to our audience maybe you have a couple of key takeaways for them some best practices what can you tell the folks that are listening to us today to um, help them with their journey
2: um I, i think authenticity you know uh be yourself uh you know I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one on, uh, you know, giant words of wisdom, Chris, but right. I, I'm <laughs> up and, and, and try to put my best foot forward, uh, being positive, you treat people with kindness. I think that's critical. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people struggling, uh, in COVID. And I think it's just made us more aware that there was probably a lot of people struggling p-
1: before. before COVID. Yeah.
2: And, and so I always, uh, yeah, treat people with kindness and, uh, and honesty and, and sometimes, you know, you don't have to, you can talk straight, but you don't have to talk mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: You, but yeah. We, we, uh, I've been a big advocate of a book called radical candor and, um, it's just being able to be direct with people when they let you down and tell them, but you're not being a jerk about it. You're just saying, Hey, I, I expect more out of this relationship, this partnership. Hey. And, um, and having that upfront conversation stops a lot of the behind, uh, behind the doors conversations where, Um, now it becomes cancerous. So um, I I encourage anyone to check out Radical Candor as a a read um, or the way I read books is through um, uh, an audible. uh, So I don't have to actually spend the time reading. I do a lot of driving, so it makes it makes it much easier to maximize that time. Um, Matt, it's been a true pleasure. Um, I respect you so much. And um, you're, you're, you're such a good um, person in the community Uh, you coach and volunteer, Um, you take time out of your busy schedule to always give back. Um, I I truly appreciate you taking the time on a Saturday morning when I know you could be somewhere else um, to help me with my second podcast. I appreciate it.
2: Chris, my pleasure. And uh, I hope this is uh, wildly successful. I think it's a a very very relevant topic and a lot of people could learn a lot of stuff from you and the fact that you're bringing in other people to share is is an amazing thing and i think it's you know kind of who you are anyway you're very collaborative and uh yeah all the best and thank you look forward to servicing. you're you're a coach as well and boy boy i can't wait till uh, we get to stand behind a bench again and (laughs) you know spend some time with the kids
1: yeah, actually, one topic I want to bring up. Um, I'm very fortunate last night. Um, I got uh, my first sponsor for the podcast. I uh, will announce that um, coming up. Oh. I'm so excited. I haven't even posted an official podcast yet, and I've got a sponsor. So that is exciting. And um, ultimately, what I'm doing with the dollars, I want to give back. Um, I touched on it earlier. I grew up with a learning disability, and um, I want to give back to kids that um, are struggling at school and, and help them with confidence in their life. So um, the dollars that I, I, I happen to be fortunate enough to generate from this podcast will be going towards that cause. And um, I'm looking forward to announcing more about um, both of those topics, the sponsorship and um, the great company that decided to support me on this journey. And then how we're going to give back to, to the youth and make sure that uh, they don't leave school with a a lack of confidence because they may learn differently um, than the traditional way. So um, thanks again, Matt. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can do this again in person.
2: Absolutely. Look forward to that day.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. You Chris. Cheers.
0: You've been listening to Delivering E-Commerce. It's our passion to have on leaders and suppliers in e-commerce from around the globe, setting you and your strategy up for the next level. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with Chris on LinkedIn at Chris Parsons. On YouTube at Chris Parsons Delivering E-Commerce. And on Twitch at Chris Parsons 1976. Till next time, this is Delivering
1: E-Commerce.